Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. And we are on the air, just like that. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley, Patrick Quinn is on audio. Glad you're here with us as we've uh, got a lot to talk about. Obviously, a lot going on this week. Um, Some uh, unprecedented moments in sports we'll talk about. We will get to Illinois basketball a little more in depth a bit uh, later uh, in this half hour. Uh, Illinois coming off uh, the tough loss at Northwestern that snapped that eight-game slide um, or eight-game winning streak, I should say, uh, that they had over Northwestern. And up next Saturday, it is a Wisconsin team that's a Big Ten co-leader at 3-0 and and uh, ranked in the top 15. Um, boy, this game looks a lot different than it did just a few weeks ago. We'll get into that here in just a moment. want to start, obviously, with um, the big story of the week, and that's what happened in Cincinnati this week and uh, the incident there on the field. Uh, Damar Hamlin, um, first off, and, you know, guys, let's just say this. I'll throw my two cents out. want to get your thoughts. Um, calling that game off was the only move to make. Um, we've all been around sports in different uh, levels for our entire lives. And um, and never saw something like that on the football field. We we do see it in basketball, and we'll discuss the differences here in a minute. But um, just want to get your your initial thoughts. And and boy, where were you? And what was what was your what was your reaction as you were watching this unfold? Yeah, you know, for me, I was <laughs> in Tampa. Um, you know, post uh, post Illinois bowl game, so um, it was kind of a you know a weird you know just a weird thing uh, sitting there watching that just unfold and you know i there's been weird things i've been around a, a couple of situations that were you know as a player um seeing someone who you know it was actually in a uh in a softball tournament but um a world tournament and, and seeing a coach actually go down like that but I, I don't know how you and that that team just went home i mean you know they were like we're done i mean you know so i i don't know how the bills could have played or the bengals could have played they made the right decision um, and I don't think there was ever any intention of them continuing to play because of the, the seriousness of this, uh, of the, the, you know, the uh, cardiac event. Yeah. And, and I do think there's no way they should have played. And, and I also think, to be honest with the NFL schedule, if you're going to try to slide in an extra game, somebody's going to get hurt just from fatigue or playing too close. Um, so I, I think this one should just go down as a tie. You know, originally when it, when it happened, I was telling my kids about Daryl Stingley when he went down, when um, he got his neck broke by Jack Tatum. But really, the only thing that I can think of close to this was in the WWE pay-per-view back in May of 1999, when Owen Hart fell 75 feet as he was being lowered into the ring on a cable. He hit the top rope and bounced bounced off into the ring and died in the ring. And um, they never showed it on the air, but they told you what was happening and they had a delay as they were working on him. And then they decided the show must go on Mm. for one of the worst decisions, I think in American sports slash sports entertainment history. And if you think back to that day, um, the, the NFL, I thought was, perfect in how they handled it well i think that 
it's um, you know, and we're a reactionary society. We want to point out the things that went wrong. And I think that what people need to understand um, is that we're all human first. And having been on that side where you are um, in a broadcast booth in terms of ESPN, and what they were doing. Um, I remember back on, I've only had that situation once in my own career. Um, and, and that was when Dale Earnhardt Jr. was killed at Daytona 500. I was on the desk. Um, that was a death that had already happened. Um, bear with me as I say this, understand the context with which I'm saying this. That would be easier for me, broadcaster's point of view, because it's definitive. You know what happened. It's difficult, but you know the result. This was an unprecedented event. We've never seen this before in the modern era of football. You got to go back to 1971 um, and the Bears-Lions uh, game at Tiger Stadium when the only death on the field in the NFL um, took place. So uh, this was different. I thought that ESPN had the proper tone. Um, and I think, too, as we get farther away from it, there is a little more um, praise and um, and recognition of the medical team there. You know, remember, we had the Hank Gather situation in 1990 where – we watched him die there on the court. And because of that um, very talented basketball player for Loyola Marymount back then, we now have defibrillators in every arena, every stadium, um, churches, schools. I mean, in my own, my workplace, probably in your workplace and people there who are trained to know how to use them. Um, that's his legacy. And when you think about this incident, had this happened 40 years ago, Hamlin might not make it off the field. So I think there should be something said for um, the medical personnel, the training we have now, um, and the awareness by medical professionals to act quickly. Um, and as we have now have learned, all of us have kind of read and heard more about this, um, getting to someone quickly and that CPR quickly and that electric shock quickly can make all the difference in saving someone's life. Yeah, no question. I, and I thought, you know, that, that is, uh, you know, we get trained, you know, uh, as a, you know, in my school, I get trained on the AED device and, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things we have to do, and it's important. Hopefully, you never have to use it, but it it, it can be. Yeah, and and I, again, you go back, and to me, the part that I knew it was different than anything is you could see the reaction from the players, players who are used to the brutal reality of football. Is you get carted off the field, and the game goes on. Players who are used to that reality were crying and and having a hard time keeping it together. And that's when I I made the assumption just from, you know, being in the pharma industry for years that we were like, they're probably giving CPR to him right now because of that shock. And and I, I have to commend Larry, I, I, ESPN, who I'm not always a fan of, I thought they did a masterful job covering that under horrible circumstances. Yeah, it's it's difficult. And, and and I've heard some criticisms. I had a buddy call me wasn't happy with Susie Colbert. Um, everyone backs uh, Scott Van Pelt and Scott's one of the best in the business. Um, and I try to explain that. Yeah, but again, you're you're it's a constant tap dance and it's an awkward tap dance and tap dance. What I mean is filling time, trying to keep the conversation going and and keep it interesting while you're waiting to hear what's next and everyone all the doctors and lawyers and players and team execs are talking to each other um it was awkward and and there's no playbook to follow this is this is a first you know i heard something again there's the whole thing about nfl the referee said we'll start in five minutes and and that conversation will go on and and here's one thing that i think may have happened and again i i don't know this i'm speculating and and trying to piece this together one everyone's in shock everyone's in shock i mean i had a friend who was at the game and talked to him later he's a season ticket holder for the bengals 
And he described the scene. He said just it was surreal. But I'm I'm guessing that there may be a protocol in place that if you do have an ambulance on the field or someone is stretchered off and it's a long period of time, um, protocol may be that you give teams five minutes to kind of warm up, you know, do some sprints, that kind of thing, get ready to go. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if that exists. But I think, again, the fact that this had not happened before, I'm just guessing. I'm guessing that referees may not have really known what else to do next. And when the coaches came together and said, no, we're not doing this, um, and then this, yeah. they called it. So, you know, I'm not caught up in the who did what when. Bottom line, did the medical personnel save him and get him to the hospital? Yes. The other stuff to me doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Larry, completely, 100%. And and I also would commend that crowd because there's a lot of stadiums and I'm not going to name cities, but there's a couple that I'm thinking of <laughs> that if the fans, you know, like, like if they would have saw the bills personnel come out and start packing things up while, while they didn't know that the game was going to be canceled, you know, you could have seen a poor reaction, but those people in, in Cincinnati, that was a lot of class and, and um, yes, they, definitely. they showed, I thought it was really good. Completely agree. And Mike, you even texted me that night and said the same thing <laughs> in real time. Uh, and so that's that's true. We just want to say from the um, from Illini guys, from our parent company, LNBC Sports LLC, um, all of our energy, all of our prayers, all of our love go to uh, uh, Hamlin, his family, uh, the, the Bills Nation, the NFL. Um, the, the sweet people of Cincinnati. I once worked there. They're, they're great people in Cincinnati. Um, and you know what? Maybe we come out of this a little more human. Maybe we, you know, there, there is a, a silver lining somewhere that we kind of, we look at sports, we look at life a little differently and we kind of uh, accept and respect each other. Uh, let's hope for that. And again, we pray for his recovery as he continues there as well. Um, we have a lot to talk about. We felt we needed to discuss that first. Uh, it seemed appropriate as we were discussing how to start this show. Let's talk about him first. Now we'll get to some other stuff. Okay. We're going to talk Illini basketball, the tough, another tough loss mm-hmm. Where do the Illini go from here? Later on, we're going to talk with Illini football. And how about Shauna Green and the Illini women's basketball team? What they are doing right now, the best ever start in program history after that big win last weekend. She comes on the show in a few minutes. Stay with us. We've got a lot coming up. We're so glad you're here. This is the Sports Spectacular. We're powered by IlliniGuys.com. And we'll be back after this. This segment presented by Busey Bank. Busey Bank, a proud sponsor of Illini Athletics and this program as well. It is a sports spectacular. Larry, Mike, and Brad along with you. Uh, talking Illini basketball. Later on uh, this weekend, the next game up for Illinois is uh, a game against Wisconsin. The Badgers last year um, you know, picked ninth in the Big Ten and ended up being co-champs with Illinois. Um, that may not happen this year <laughs> in terms of Wisconsin, Illinois being co-champs. Let's see what happens in the next few weeks here. Well, Wisconsin already off to a 3-0 start after being ignored by all the uh, the basketball pundits. Illinois basketball, 73-60 to losers at Northwestern, so their eight-game win streak in that series is snapped. Um, thoughts? I'm just going to throw it out there. Your thoughts? It was a really poor effort from Illinois. Um, you know, up and down, they just don't seem to be – they're not clicking. They're not cohesive in any way, shape, or form. They are a bunch of guys – they can, from a talent standpoint, you let line these guys up and play one on one, they're good. 
you put them five on five, they're not very good. And, and that's where they're at right now. And they've won some games when guys have they, they've take, capitalized on some isolation situations. And they, they still defend. So that allows them to stay in most games. But, um, you know, this was it was this was a really huge wake up call, this loss at Northwestern, because this team that you thought maybe had was trying to, you know, have a bad day here and there. But now it's come a trend. Um, they played poorly for about four games in a row and four or five games in a row. And now they got to figure out how to how to write this ship. Yeah. And offensively, it is such a mess. Um, you know, it's basically one guy dribbling around. They do a weave, and then uh, it, when somebody apparently gets tired of doing the weave, they go one on four. The rest of the team, you know, watches, um, and it's it's just it's just hard to see how they got to this level. This this you know we're we're you know almost fifteen games into the season now, and so if we saw this, we all expected they were going to be rough early in the season. We didn't expect them to be playing like this in January. Well, that was Wednesday night. Then uh, guys, the last 24 hours, things have just gone from bad to worse as uh, the former five-star recruit Sky Clark taking a leave of absence from the team, not with the team, not in Champaign. Brad, what can you tell us? Yeah, obviously he's struggling with some of some issues um, off the court that have kind of obviously then the struggles on the court add to those stressors and, and um, you know, and, and I think it all comes together and he's going through a rough time and he needs to take care of himself and get himself right. Um, and, and you wish him the best. You hope that he can figure it out and get himself back to the kid that I, I saw play when he was a junior in high school where he just plays free and uh, has that explosiveness and quickness that we haven't really seen this year um, at Illinois. But, yeah, hopefully he can get himself together and, and find the right, you know, whatever whatever happens, hopefully it works out for him. But Illinois now has to figure out a way to play without another uh, another depth piece, uh, another guard that's not available. Yeah, and and look, let's, let's be real honest. You always root for the player in these situations. You know, you want the player to be healthy and, and happy. So uh, all of our support goes to him. Uh, now, as Brad said, you've got an Illini team that is going to need to rely on a lot of minutes from guys who maybe haven't had that opportunity. And this really gives them the chance to prove themselves. And boy, um, what a story this would be. A bunch of freshmen come together to lead the Illini to a successful season. So, yeah, the one thing is Illinois 0-3 in the Big Ten. First time in four years that's happened. Now, later today, here comes 14th-ranked Big Ten co-leading Wisconsin. They're old, and they just run the same stuff. They don't make mistakes. I mean, they're Wisconsin. What do you do? How, how, how does this play out today? Well, the biggest thing, Illinois has got to execute. Obviously, they're depleted, um, shorthanded, and they, they have to find a way to overcome that and have one of those days when they just – get uh, are all clicking you know Luke Goody uh, is still out and hopefully he can come back in a couple weeks but they have to get through these games um still without you know down you know two three players uh, out of 12 scholarships so hopefully they can uh, figure that out and uh, I think the big thing is execution against Wisconsin that's the key you have to be solid and you have to execute if you're going to beat them play really good defense and don't turn over the ball much and this team can hang with just about anybody that's easier said than done, but that's what they need to do today in front of uh, their fans at the State Farm Center. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and you know, we were talking in the break here just a moment ago that at the same time you look at um, maybe if you've got, you know, fewer numbers, you're kind of missing somebody that's more minutes for some other players. And maybe um, that extended time will kind of increase uh, their confidence and and their growth and their competition, uh, their contributions, I should say, right now. Uh, so it's Illinois, Wisconsin. Uh, after the game the other night, it was Brad Underwood talking about this uh, performance against Northwestern. Let's listen in. I, I love what we're doing defensively when we don't foul. But we walked out of the locker room tonight down 26 to nothing. 26 to nothing. And the emotion of the game, we have to accept. We have to learn from it. Uh, we're just getting caught up. I mean, we the fouls we're committing. Uh, we, we Believe it or not, we talk about never fouling in transition. Trying to block a shot at the square and never fouling. Four or five of them. In the Big Ten, if you make a defensive mistake, they make you pay. We go underneath Chase Adish three times, and he hits three threes. Well, there's nine plus 26. There's 35 points right there, and we haven't even we haven't we haven't moved very far. Um, we have to start playing with better toughness on the on the offensive end. Uh, we can run everything we want in practice. We can execute it. We can do whatever, and all of a sudden. Now we get into a game, and, and it's, it is literally Katie bar the door. I have no idea. If I could stop the play after every field goal and diagram what I want to run, we're pretty good. You know, we come out of timeout and back cut layup. You know, okay, we execute. In the flow of things, we're not playing very well. Um, too many guys handling the ball. All we've talked about in this game was – getting the ball to our point guards, running the floor, having Dane post up early, um, and not one time did that happen. Um, the lack of discipline, that's that's on me. I don't have these guys, I just don't have these guys doing anything that resembles basketball in the offensive end, nothing. Got good looks first half, wide open threes and missed them. Uh, we're making 90 game, we're a good shooting team. I still believe that. Um, and uh, but you can't get to the line 10 times, make six of them on the road and win. Uh, we shot more step back, sidestep, fadeaways, a shot that we've never practiced one time in, the, in, in our facility. And uh, that's what we shoot. That's what we shoot. So, you know, it's 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 it doesn't get easier. We've got the best team and arguably the best team. I think they're top of the league right now coming in on Saturday. Um, you know, I told the guys I started 0-6 at Oklahoma State in league play in Big 12 and, and, and rallied. It has to become about us. Okay, It's one of the issues that happen with new guys and young guys. It's always about them. It becomes an individual. It's me. I'm not playing enough or I'm not shooting well enough. It's got to become about us. And, and when it's us, we'll win. We've proven we can beat some of the best teams in the country. Um, but uh, not fouling like we do today and not losing our mind in the emotion of the game, getting a technical foul when you're up and you've got momentum and understanding momentum, those things are, are, um, uh, are killers. But that being said, a lot of credit to Chris and, and uh, great win for them. What are you seeing with Terrence right now? Does it seem like the same guy he was in November? What's been part of his struggles on your end? Making a layup, one. I mean, everybody's scouting's better. 
you know, it's no secret. No one's letting him go left. Um, you know, and first couple plays of the game, he went right. He made great plays and finished. And he's he, he's probably better get used to that. Um, you know, the scouting scouting in the Big Ten is going to be a lot different than it is in the regular season. Everybody knows everybody. Uh, you got dialed in on what you're trying to run, um, but uh, you know he's not getting fouled uh, because no one's letting him go left. Um, you know, we're not playing with any force or velocity or tenacity on our drives. Everything's a fadeaway. Let me not get hit. Um, Got to get back to that. I, I, I think Brad Underwood is at a loss for words to a certain extent. I mean, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know whether he has to get on them or, and be tough on them or whether it's a situation where he needs to, you know, kind of guide them and coddle them and lead them and, I just don't know. I don't think he, I think he's struggling as well. Cause this is, you know, he's had teams that, you know, as he was building this program that weren't very good, but it was more about that. They just had young guys and they were trying to figure it out. This team has a lot of physical talent and, you know, they have a couple of, you know, veterans who've been through wars and they should be better than they are. And I think he knows that. Yeah. And, you, and as a coach, you want to put people in positions where they can succeed but all of a sudden, some guys can't dribble, some guys can't pass, some guys can't shoot. <laughs> it's really hard to put basketball players into positions where they succeed when they can't shoot, dribble, or pass. Uh, other than dribbling, passing, and shooting, I'm really good at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to quote Underwood from what he said after the Alabama uh, A&M game, and that is just go ball. Guys, just go ball. There's way too much to dribble, stopping, hesitating, turning around, pivoting. I mean – you know, I I've I lost count of how many times in that game the other night in Evanston that that Illinois dribbled to you know they dribbled in toward the basket two dribbles and then reversed it back out to the backcourt. I mean, it, it is you know it, there's no penetration at all, and um, you know it's one that's a, it seems like a fairly easy again in a layman's terms uh, from a novice it seems like it's an easy it's an easy scout. Um, you know, you get physical and defend them uh, on the perimeter and they're off their game. They're not going to get it inside. So, you know, a lot coming up, but again, a 1230 uh, tip off Saturday and that game on ESPN two, Illinois, Wisconsin, a chance to try to right the ship and get that first big 10 win of the season. Hey, Illinois basketball, the women's basketball team looking outstanding, knocking off Iowa, getting some votes in the polls, but not quite there yet. Shauna green. What an architect she is uh, with this program. It's a Picasso. It is amazing. And she is next. You're listening to the Atlanta Guy Sports Spectacular and this segment presented by Busey Bank. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. 
You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800-254-3218. 800-254-3218. That's 800-254-3218. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. The next revolution in college sports has begun. You're fighting a line I need you to survive and thrive. Join Illini Guardians today at IlliniGuardians.com. Hey, this is Mike Small, the golf coach of your Fighting Illini men's golf team. And you're listening to the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Welcome back. It's time for the OSF Coaches Corner, sponsored by OSF Healthcare. And today our guest is Illini women's basketball coach Shauna Green, whose team is off to a great start, 13-2 and two to start the year. Um, coach, I, I gotta say 13 and two, did you expect to be 13 and two out of the gate coming into this new, new, new gig? Man, I, I, I wish I could say that, you know, I expected that, but I'd probably be lying. So I didn't, I didn't know what I, what, what I would expect, but, uh, to be 13 and two, um, you know, is, is obviously, a, a testament to our kids and, and, you know, of how quickly they bought into what we do and, and how hard they're playing right now and, and how, how well they're executing. So um, I, I'm okay with continuing to be pleasantly surprised uh, every time out. So. Well, you've certainly made it a lot harder for future new coaches at university of Illinois. Now they know you just, you just turn it around in a year and everything's fine. Any <laughs> pressure, any pressure on you? Oh. I, I wish it was all that easy, right, for everyone. But uh, you know, it, it's it's been such a fun start. It really has. And um, again, this is just a really great group that you know has kind of made its way and morphed itself into uh, just a really cohesive team. And and yeah, it probably happened a little bit quicker than any of us um, maybe thought it would. But uh, you just, I, I said it, you know, from that first day at my press conference. You know, we'll be good when we're good. And and I think we're playing well right now, um, but there's a long, long season left. Um, and as you guys know, in this conference, you can never get too high and you can never get too low. So win or lose, you got to be ready to go the next game um, because everyone's everyone's good enough to beat you. Talking with Illini uh, head basketball, women's basketball coach, Shauna Green on the OSF Healthcare uh, Coach's Corner. Coach, you guys are 13-2, starting off to a good start, 2-1 in the Big Ten. And legit could be, you know, really close to being undefeated in the big 10, you know, a tough loss at Iowa, the big win or at Indiana, rather the big win over Iowa then on new year's day. How cool is that to see the crowd the way it was in that Iowa game? I mean, you had, that's what you've been hoping for, right? Yeah, that's, you know, that's what I, you know, envisioned. And that's what I challenged, you know, really since the day I got this job, I've really, um, they're probably, the community's probably sick of hearing me, you know, beg them and plead them to, to come out to our games, but, uh, to be able to walk out, I don't usually come out till late and build a walk out there, um, and, and see that place, how it was and, and see the state farm center. It was full, um, with a lot of orange and blue in there. It was just unbelievable, um, to, to have it happen quickly. Um, and no doubt about it, they were a huge reason why we won that game. Um, and, and just like that Indiana game, that was a close game. Their home crowd was a huge reason they won it. So home court crowds matter. Atmosphere matters. Um, and it really fuels our players. So I give a ton of credit to everyone that came out. And I just, you know, I'm going to keep begging and pleading and, and, you know, hoping that they keep coming back and keep supporting uh, this group of young women because uh, it, it matters. And they were huge on Sunday. 
So you, you have a, a team with some holdovers from last year, some transfers from different schools. They really look like they like each other, and they're all pulling the rope in the same direction. How did what, what did you do, you and your staff, to help facilitate that atmosphere? You know, I just think it's the culture that we've always created and, and, and what, you know, all, we want it to be like a family. You know, we say that all the time, and I know it's cliche in sport, um, but I think relationships and, you know, really getting to know our players um, and then, you know, spending time with them, spending time on building relationships and then having them take ownership of their own program. Like I tell every year, I tell every team, this is your journey. You know, the, this year and this group of people and coaches will only be together, this whole group, you know, for that year. Um, and, and it's on you guys of what you want to make of it. So I think that it's, you know, the culture that we create and then just also recruiting, you know, we, we brought in the transfers we brought in were kids we knew. I give so much credit to the, the five kids that were here last year and that, you know, bought in and stayed with our program. Uh, but they are like, it kind of, that's another thing that amazes me every time out. It's like, you would think we've been playing together for a really long time and, and we haven't been together that long. So just, there's a true love for one another. They, you can see like the biggest thing for me as a head coach, like when I look out there, we're playing hard, but we're having joy. Like they're playing and having fun out there. And, and, and that's what this game's about. And, and I love that for them. Um, and you know, I, this should be the best time of their lives, right? Like they should, college is supposed to be fun. College basketball is supposed to be fun. And I think they're really enjoying playing the game right now. And they're enjoying playing it with each other. Yeah, college was the best time of my life. All all six years were great. Um, I had I have nothing to complain about there. Um, you sound I, like I, Jenna Jaconi, like on my staff. She used six years too. She can't. You get you got to take advantage of them all. Exactly. <laughs> I, I took took six years and then got a master's after I was done. So um, yeah. So I I have more credits than you know most doctors. But you know that's beside the point. But I got a question about your your dancing skills became national news um last week you know we had the gritty we we rocked the baby we put it to sleep we did all these things i mean tell me about the the how this happened man i, I really i forgot about social media i wouldn't have <laughs> i really did like i should know better i you know they it happened at fau you know it's funny because that date and they tried to get me to do i had said something they tried to get me to do some dance for six years and i never did it um and then after fau they're like gritty coach and they were like in the locker room after the game cheering I'm like no I'm not gritty and right now I'm like I'm like I'll tell you what you go 2-0 to start you know because that was right before Christmas break I said we come back we go 2-0 to start Big Ten after you know the new year I will gritty for you I'm like and, and I was joking I'm like you know well I'll practice over Christmas I'll have Mateo pra uh, teach me how to do it um so obviously I didn't practice um, <laughs> then, then we go to, and no, we beat Iowa and on the court, they're like, coach, you got a gritty. I'm like, okay, first off, I will do it. Cause I'm a woman of my word, but I'm not doing it on the floor in heels. So I'm like, I'm doing it back there. You know, where I thought was going to be in private and just stay within the family, stay within us. Shoot. I woke up the next day and someone texts me it's on sports center. And I about, I was like, oh my gosh, are you serious? The, the, it was not that good. It should not be. It should not be national, nationally posted. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> well, wasn't that exciting though? As a as an Illinois fan, we turned on Sports Center, and there's the Illini women's basketball program. <laughs> Isn't that something that was helpful, you know, to you and the program 
Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I just hope our recruits don't judge me on my ability to do the gritty. Um, I'll the tell them, hey, come, come to Illinois and help me be better at the gritty. Um, <laughs> but no, it actually, it, you know, that's something that truly organically just morphed itself into that. Um, and I think it, I think it is good because they see who we are. They see that we do still have fun, right? And you know, and and. Like I said, if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. And, and you know, that's just I, I like to have fun with our players. I, you know, I think that's important. And I think that trust and camaraderie and then it, it goes back to the relationships. Right. So um, it, it was fun. And, you know, it actually has a lot of the recruits. You know, it's it's brought some good conversation, some good laughter. Uh, so I don't know what the next uh, the next, you know, wager will be, but I, I'll come up with something. <laughs> Well, Coach, I can tell you that we are having fun watching you guys. 13-2, and two, um, off to a great start. Shauna Green on the OSF Healthcare Coaches Corner. Coach, thanks for being with us, and uh, good luck in the Big Ten. Man, it's exciting to see you guys where you're at. No, I appreciate you guys so much, and uh, have me on whenever. I love to, love to jump on with you guys. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Thank coach. you, guys. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible. Whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is, we're here to support it. Because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. Glad you're with us here as uh, we celebrate the first weekend of the new year. Who better to talk to than Dennis Don, uh, our friend giving, uh, coming back on the show here, senior writer for CBSSports.com. Dennis, obviously this time of year there is a lot to talk about. Let's start with football. Um, CFP championship is here. Um, I can't recall two more thrilling games last weekend than what we saw. Um, and I'm intrigued by this matchup here coming up in a couple of days here. Uh, Georgia trying to uh, repeat as champion against a TCU team that maybe is better than what some people thought. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Uh, in the history of the CFP, the semifinals had been decided by an average of more than 21 points per mm -hmm. game in the eight years pre previous. In the 24 total playoff games, 16 had been decided by double digits. So this was absolutely the most thrilling, absolutely the, the closest. Seven points decided the two games. 179 total points involving, I know, at least two top five defenses, Michigan and Georgia, certainly not um, TCU, but Ohio State was up there as well. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, I think it's a cautionary tale for a 12-team and a subsequent 16-team playoff. These teams look beat, guys. Um, it was entertaining as hell, but, you know, these are still college athletes that are playing, what, their 14th game and the winners will play what 16. Um, so you know, I, I think there, there's a lot of that to it. Um, you know, and, and the matchups were good. Georgia, Ohio State, we knew was good. A lot of people thought Michigan would roll over TCU, but TCU's got some athletes. I'm telling you right now, that that was one of the best defensive performances I've seen by a team that gave up 45 points. You know, two pick sixes. Um, Dylan Horton, the defensive lineman, looked like uh Julius Peppers or, or Lawrence Taylor, he was chasing down um, J.J. McCarthy all night. He had a great night. So I, I think whatever happens between now and then, Georgia can't help but underestimate these guys because they won't know till they get on the field. At some point, they'll be surprised. 
Yeah, and and I think it's it's awesome for the rating standpoint to have an underdog in there, which sets up a storyline that that is much more entertaining. And let's face it, you know that's what makes the NCAA basketball uh, tournament so great. Yeah, I don't know if ESPN's jumping up and down over a Georgia TCU championship game <laughs> when, when the when the when the alternatives could have been Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, you know, Michigan, Georgia, uh, two brand names, not casting any aspersions at TCU, but they're the they're the first true Cinderella. I mean, forget the BCS. I, I go back to BYU in 84. Yeah. And even yeah. then, BYU was in a, what was then considered a major conference in the WAC. Everything fell together for them to win the national championship. Um, but this is TCU was not Cincinnati. They played a much tougher schedule. They were in a tougher league. Uh, I think they were a better team. The roster was more talented. So um, to come in there and beat Michigan and arguably the best season in its 120 year history, 13 and Oh, it's hard to argue against it is, is something. Yeah. You look at this TCU team um, smallest school to play for the national championship since Notre Dame back in 2012, Notre Dame, of course, with the history. So, you know, they're a known entity, but the Horn Frogs, uh, how about that? Uh, by the way, folks who don't know, they're uh, out of Fort Worth, Texas, because there probably are some people who don't know uh, where TCU is located. Um, let's move on now to the, the Big Ten and some some talk this week about um, the commissioner, or a past couple of weeks, the commissioner Kevin Warren um, and, and the Bears. Um, we're taping this a couple days in advance, so something could happen by the time I guess this actually airs. But um, you know, we were talking in the break that really Kevin Warren came in. Um, and, and the things are set, whoever comes in as commissioner next, a lot of the heavy lifting has been done by Kevin Warren. If he does leave and go to the bears. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're assuming he does. And all, all we're talking about now is a tweet that, uh, Pete Thamel had obviously a good source, but it wasn't that he interviewed. It wasn't that he was being considered. It was, he's the favorite, uh, to be the Chicago bears president. So if he doesn't get the job. How do you go back and face those presidents? Maybe it doesn't matter to them. Maybe they should have known and, and actually they should have known that this day was going to come. I just didn't think it was going to come three years in. January 1st was his third anniversary as Big Ten uh, commissioner. So, you know, what does that mean if he doesn't get it? If he does, look, he's accomplished what he was supposed to accomplish. He calls himself a disruptor. Uh, aside from the the awkward start with COVID, it got him a record TV deal. Uh, out of nowhere, pulled USC and UCLA. No one saw that coming uh, to strengthen the conference. And it has sh- it helped shepherd in this era of the, the power two, the SEC and the Big Ten. The Big Ten, with that deal, now makes, I you know, from what I've seen, substantially more money than the SEC. And what do they do with that? What happens to that? So uh, if he does leave, it kind of puts their expansion plans on hold, I would think, because he's still in his mind. He wants those West Coast teams, but he can't find much support in his own conference. Um, but, you know, if if he doesn't, then I would fully, uh, just talking about this offline, I'd fully expect Jim Phillips and the ACC to be very interested and pursued by the Big Ten. He was, he was, thought to be the favorite. Well, I thought he was the favorite as the Northwestern AD to be the next commissioners until the, the presidents went their route. 
Um, I think he could leave the ACC with his head held high. He's he's done you know everything he could. They're trapped in a bad TV deal, which isn't going to change for the next fourteen years. And so he, uh, you know, most of his background is in the in the Big Ten. Um, the stuff that Kevin Warren did is not his, so he would just be implementing it mm-hmm. um, or taking advantage of it, I should say. Um, so I, I would look for that. You know, if Kevin Warren's the favorite with the Bears, then Jim Phillips is the favorite to replace Kevin Warren. And, um, you know, that's interesting because he's now, you know, has his handcuffs on dealing with a horrible TV deal. And if you can trade up and get into a job that would allow you to have a fantastic TV deal, um, <laughs> that would that would be great. Can you go into a little bit more detail? I think it's fascinating um, you know, we keep hearing that, you know, maybe Amazon would, would be interested in a Big Ten package um, that might involve, you know, bringing on more teams from the West Coast. Uh, is that something that only happens if if uh, Mr. Warren is involved or are there other people who would be um, willing to kind of blaze a trail to do that? Yeah, I don't know what the Big Ten stomach is for expansion, even with Kevin Warren. Um, actually, I do. I don't think they want to do it. I don't think uh, – I think the presidents are fine where they are. Uh, I don't think the likes of, you know, a Purdue, a Minnesota, an Indiana, uh, maybe an Illinois don't want to be relegated to streaming uh, on some of their games. Uh, that being said, uh, the, the streaming giants are only interested from – what I know only in tier one content. So is tier one content, you know, uh, those four schools, you know, we were talking about Stanford, Washington, Oregon, and, uh, and Cal, uh, you know, partnered with these other, with these other schools, because I guarantee you um, Fox is going to have every Ohio state and Michigan game of note on their air. So that's why I've said that that's what would be left over. Um, you know, there's a reason college, there's no college sports in streaming at all yet. There's just not enough tier one content out there. Um, MLS did a 10 year deal with Apple, I think, but I think the MLS is doing a lot of their own production and uh, that takes a lot of uh, money off the table for Apple to do that stuff. Uh, they're hiring the talent, I think, to broadcast the game. So a little bit different, uh, but they put a value on it. Um, you know, if, if they're going to jump in and, and the Pac 12s in this too, that I, I think their deal, uh, I think the, the large majority of their new deal is going to be on streaming. There's no one else left to carry it um, at, at the number they want. Um, you know, I think ESPN will get a piece to do those late night games because they don't have any games in the fourth window late night, but everything else will be streaming. And how's that going to look if you're sitting there at, you know, in Oregon, let's say Oregon's the best program left in the league and eight out of your 12 games are on streaming. That's, that's a bad, bad look. Yeah. So does that drive those schools to the big 10 um, where, where they know they're going to make more money, even if they don't get a full share. Talking with Dennis Dodd here of CBS sports.com and, and kind of one more question on that. Um, let's take it a step further and, and put your commissioner hat on Um it it appears those teams you just mentioned from the Pac-12 would love to join the Big Ten. There are maybe a few in the Big Ten 
in the office there in Rosemont who would like to have them, uh, mm-hmm. but the majority is not on board yet. What do you see happening? And this is not immediate, next two, three, four years down the line. I mean, it could take a while, I, I think, um, for that to happen to where we do see uh, finally the, a shift to where some of those schools do uh, jump to the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think there's any urgency. Uh, the Pac-12 hasn't done its new deal yet. This could be a thing where it's mo- where they sign a deal, it's monitored for five years, and and, and the schools don't like it. Um, you know, it took it took uh, USC and UCLA a long, long time to find a suitor. Not that they were looking, but part of the reason they left is they they did get an equal share in the in the in the Pac-12, and they thought that they had you know for years and decades had been keeping it afloat at least brand wise, mm-hmm. uh, or you know had there been a lot there uh, for their brand value. So I, I don't think it's urgent. Um, what I don't know is the timeline on um, the PAC 12 deal. I had, I had written that, you know, January 1st, they were going to have something by January 1st. It looked like um, then things started to happen. There was, you know, Colorado got a new coach and uh, George Klyavkov said, as good as Dion is, I don't think he adds appreciable value to a billion dollar contract. I just don't. <laughs> but he said, well, we wanted to wait for that. Like he, you know, like he knew it was coming all along. Does it enhance the the, the league? Yes, absolutely. Um, but to me, the fact that they've waited this long tells me that they haven't been able to work out a deal, um, that the interest, the money that they want is not there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, are they are they trying to squeeze uh, Amazon into the fact that, you know, for the next seven years, they're the only property available. They're the last property available. Mm-hmm. Well, my answer to that is, I again, they all want tier one content. I think they'd wait seven years mm-hmm. till some of the SEC came open or I think SECs till uh, 31 or 30. Uh, six or seven year Big 12 comes open. They get some of that. I mean, that's what we're talking about. This is a process. This, again, streaming's going to hit and it's going to hit in a big way. It just hasn't yet. No one's dipped their toe into that college spaceship. NFL, absolutely. Tier one content, those Thursday night exclusive games. Um, I'm hearing that, or I read that uh, one of the streaming uh, giants is going to get the Sunday ticket. Boy, would that drive subscribers? Um, you had to watch it there. So, it's it's just not there for the college space. The Big Ten has, uh, I should mention on Peacock. What is it? I think eight games a year. Yep. You know, again, there he couldn't do a larger deal. I think Kevin Warren wanted to do a larger deal, and and, and Peacock's fine. Um, you know, that's great, uh, and they'll see how it goes. What are you hearing from your vantage point about NIL, and and how do you see some of those changes taking form uh, for the fans? Well, it's become very transactional, the recruiting process. I had one power five basketball coach tell me, and this is a guy who recruits nothing but five stars. They walk into his office and their first words out of their mouth is how much can I get? And I guess I can't blame him. I, I don't even think that's unsavory. I mean, why wouldn't you mm-hmm. when it, when it's legal? It's, you know, what we're talking about is the fringes that have not been regulated. And war chest is a good term because I think, Every school is trying to to get as much as they can. Um, you know, there b- before this happened, a lot of this was done under the table. At least for now, and, and the NCA hasn't stepped in. I haven't found a way to step in. 
um, then it's legal. And you you add the further issue that all the coaches are complaining about is tampering, impermissible contact. Hey, we'll, uh, you know, you can come here for X. And 99% of the time, the coach is nowhere near it. It's, it's somebody calls a parent, uh, you know, a third party calls, somebody from the collective calls, calls the high school coach or something like that. And the process is set in motion and it just becomes a bidding process. You saw the tweet from Jeff Trailer, um, oh, about 10 days ago, the UTSA coach who, mm-hmm. who had, had had it so much that he was this close to call. There was a school, a power five school uh, that had offered two of his players that weren't in the portal mm-hmm. um, with NIL money. And he'd had it. But until those coaches start naming names and not one of them has, mm-hmm. I don't feel much sympathy for him. To that end, what's next? I mean, you know, like you said, there, there's no leader. There's nobody here who's mm-hmm. who's going to become the point person to kind of clean this up and set some rules. There are no rules. It, it remains as we head into getting right ahead into year three, the wild, wild west. Um, can this be regulated and, and what can or, or do you think will or should be done? Well, with the assumption that Congress isn't going to step in <laughs> and everybody of, yeah. of any note that I talk to doesn't think that will happen, no. uh, then it just becomes, I think it becomes a sort of a, a collective bargaining thing. And I, I didn't say union, but it's, it, you could come to an agreement where the schools could be proactive and say, we'll give, if you give us two years, let's just throw that out there. You're committed to us for two years, um, barring any abuses or anything untoward you are committed here as a scholarship athlete, uh, then we'll give you X, whatever that is, whatever, you know, okay. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've got the option for a third year or what, something like that. That sounds a lot like a pro contract. The difference is again, these guys are pass-throughs and they only get five years to play four. Um, maybe in the future that even that is lifted. Maybe guys start playing into their twenties. Maybe they aren't even going to school. Um, do those people who fill the shoe in, in the big house care? If, yeah, the, the court, J.J. McCarthy is pursuing a philosophy degree. He's in school. But a, a lot of guys are semi-pros, you know, semi-pro, just going, uh, calling an internship. Uh, that's their college internship. They're going to learn football. Uh, that's what it's become anyway, uh, in, in a large degree, where they can't. I talked to, uh, talk to J.J. McCarthy at the media day here in uh, – in Scottsdale at the, uh, before the game. And he was up on a podium and I guess he's this real deep thinker. He he loves philosophy and he starts talking about Lao Tzu and, you know, ancient Chinese philosopher. And, and somebody said, well, do you, what, what what are your classes like? Do you take it? He goes, Oh no, I don't, I don't take it. I, Michigan won't let me because of football. And I went, nobody wrote it. I, I have it on tape. Um, but why should we be surprised at any of that? I mean, that's been going on for years. If Hey, if any classes bump up against your taping, getting taped at one o'clock, you can't do it. Hey, Dennis, it is uh, always so good to uh, to talk with you and to get your insights. Uh, as always, many thanks, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. You bet. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank Dennis Dodd, senior writer of CBSSports.com. Again, he has been on the show before, and uh, we think we're pretty well-read, Mike, but we, we, we learn a lot when we spend 20 minutes with Dennis because uh, – we don't know anything uh, compared to he is the master that's done so for a long time, and we appreciate uh, his time. Hey, stay with us. Quick timeout. We pay some bills, and then we continue right here next. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network.
You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Larry, Mike, and Brad here with you once again as uh, we continue on this uh, January weekend. Hopefully it's not too cold where you are. Uh, Hey, big story this week that we haven't talked about yet, the NCAA tournament. Now, last summer, the NCAA and whoever has these conversations within the NCAA uh, came out of of their meetings and said, you know, we'd like to expand all of our tournaments and all of our sports to represent uh, 25% of, of our membership. Um, and so for basketball, that would mean about 90 for for the men's and women's basketball tournaments, because, you know, you're not going to expand one and, and then not the other. Well, it came out this week that there's an official recommendation to expand the basketball tournaments from 68 to 90 teams. And they're going to vote on it when the board of directors uh, get together uh, next week. What do you guys think about this? I, you know, honestly, I, I don't think they need to expand. Um, I get it that it will add more revenue and more teams make it. Maybe some coaches keep their jobs, give some teams more opportunities, but, and, and and I, I don't think it's going to ruin college basketball. If they do expand an idea, I've heard that they're ruining college, but it'll be fine. Um, But my number is 72. That's where I think they should go. Give me those eight playing games. So I get a full day of basketball on, on, uh, on the NCAA tournament week. And just, you know, that's my selfish reasons for winning 72. And there's a part of me that's a little more cynical than Brad. Are they um, going to approve that? Have they already talked to, um, you know, CBS and and uh, Turner about what games they would broadcast and how much they would pay for the additional games? And is this a decision that's going to be made on finances? Or is it something that they're going to think about doing and then – they say we're going to do it, and then they go talk to the TV people. Well, and I think you bring up a great point because you and I are thinking alike, and Brad's the same thing. Brad's selfish like I am too. Just give me basketball, right? Um, but I think that the logistics issue—that's why I'm I'm along with Brad. Anything initial would be maybe seventy-two. You could add two more games, one Tuesday, one Wednesday to those first four games already in Dayton, um, and so that way you you know that that. You expand it by a little, but not much, and that gives you time to ex- explore moving on from that. The one thing, and Brad, you've mentioned this before, if you do something larger and make it, say, a 96 team where you get to, you know just, just over 25%, is that maybe you allow the best teams, the top 16 seeds, to get a buy, and maybe they're well-rested at that point, and um, they can be more competitive and maybe have fewer upsets uh, down the line. Yeah, I agree. I've said that before. I think that if you have – give those teams that that break because a lot of teams play in that conference tournament they play through Sunday. And then the next thing you know, it's, you know, they, they've got to play in the NCAA tournament thing as where a team, you know, some of these lower mid major teams that get these 12 seats, their conference tournament was over a week ago, you know, so they've had 10, 10 days to rest. And um, so I think that that could make sense. That could be a kind of an impetus to help these, to give those teams kind of a, a, a reward for having a great season. Um, so you know, I, I I can see both sides. I definitely understand why they wouldn't want to expand it because, you know, personally, I if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm, I'm happy with where it is. But at the same time, you know, there are some positives to expanding it as well. Yeah, and I look at it very similar to football. If you have an opportunity to get a few more teams involved and it makes compelling television, you know, I think um, one of the things that we talked about in the break was that you potentially could have 
um, you know, teams that were, uh, you know, the big conference teams don't, don't, you know, make them have the play in games. So if you have a, you get some marquee matchups that you don't see regularly, you might see a game, you know, where seventh place Illinois plays, you know, sixth place USC. And those are some matchups that you're going to have alumni across the United States watching. Um, yeah. And then it, it also lets the value of winning your tournament, even if you're a small team, be a little bit bigger. So you're going to have two Big Ten teams playing there, Mike. Yeah, Illinois, you USC. know what? Now that I think about it, yeah, because those two teams in the Big Ten, yeah. Well, then we could, and also, yeah, you could get a great Big Ten, you know, uh, team with a lot of tradition in the Big Ten, like UCLA, in one of those. Games. Yeah, another one, another one, and, or Rutgers or Penn State. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. The other thing you have to think about logistics-wise is CBS is not going to interrupt the Masters, and the Masters will not move their tournament. So you have only three weeks to get this whole thing done. Um, that's another issue in terms of if you're adding another weekend, that's not going to happen unless you push the conference tournaments back to create that. And that's a, a logistical nightmare that um, they may not be willing to, to go to. So, or Amazon, Amazon outbids everybody. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. in this, in this world, yeah. I, I would think that the NCAA tournament is one of those properties that you don't want to get out to open bid. Cause I think a lot of people would pay a lot for it. Yeah, but I don't know that CBS gives up, you know. I mean, they've already partnered with Turner, which is surprising enough yeah. um, that they've done that. But at the same time, what they've done is they've taken those games that were streaming back when streaming was really new and yep. didn't work very well. They've taken those and put it on cable now. So it's the great, it's the great matchup. I will tell you, local TV stations hate it because, uh, you know, if you're Ohio State, um, the stations in Columbus and Cincinnati and Cleveland may not have the Ohio State game on CBS so therefore, they don't get those ad dollars like they would if back in the day. Um, you could guarantee you could get your team on your home station. Now those are sometimes pushed to cable, and uh, they lose that revenue. So they're not happy. But for those of us fans, the junkies, it's awesome because exactly like you guys, I do nothing else. That's all I do in March. <laughs> the, that first weekend of the tournament is just so fantastic. I mean, just nothing is more fun than that with all those games and the buzzer beaters and the end game things and the upsets. It's just so much fun. I, I can't wait to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys know, I go a little crazy with the whole predicting the tournament. Like I've got the war room and the, the 80 index cards up on the wall and the, the window. And I may post some pictures this spring on the websites just so you Larry, Larry that's probably not something you have no, to do. No, <laughs> it's, it's just how really crazy, beautiful mindish I get. <laughs> <laughs> a little insane just to peek inside the insane mind of larry smith and, 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 <laughs> well we will see we'll talk about it next week we may be having hey. a conversation next week. hey larry i'm always looking for okay what's a baseline out of bounds play to run against the this zone and, and so i got 16 games in that first day first two days to watch and see what i can find so <laughs> yeah, little things like that <laughs> And I'm always looking for, okay, well, what's their record outside the top 100 RPI? And how does that play? (laughs) (laughs) We're all a little insane in our own way. So, all right, stay with us. The conversation continues right here. Up next. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future, and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. 
UC's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and is much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships, build community, and build your career at UC Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. You know, you guys may be thinking right now, like, hey, wait a minute. We haven't heard from the Illini guy yet. But, but Mike, before we bring her in, um, did you see her dancing on the video this weekend after the Iowa game? Yeah, uh, she, has, she has dance moves. She does. She's like, I mean, like back in our day, she would be like going down the Soul Train line. I mean, you know, she'd be leading, leading the pack. Uh, Adalia McKenzie is uh, joining us right now um, going into Thursday night's game um, against Northwestern, a program best ever 13 and two start um, coming off the big upset win over then 12th ranked Iowa 90 86 uh, last Sunday. Adalia, um, you know, you're grinning ear to ear. We can see it just um, uh, what is this like right now? Can, you know, in terms of just all the hard work that you guys have put in the last, uh, the last eight months. It feels good. It's just a really good feeling just to like wake up and just knowing the position that we're in. So it's really like something we're all grateful about. So it was very interesting watching that game that Caitlin Clark, you know, kind of turned it on in the fourth quarter. And yet, even with her efforts, they couldn't overcome you guys. How did you guys keep your cool? Uh, under fire like that. Yeah, uh, Coach Green always talked about just being unfazed and just staying locked in. Like, we knew that she was going to try to get going and, like, you know, help her team win. But we also knew we just had to stick to the principles and do what we needed to do to get the stop. You know, that's the thing. As impressive as the win was, uh, just your poise down the stretch was amazing. And then I think also we also were impressed with Coach Green uh, doing the gritty, not only you guys on ESPN sports center, coach green, doing the gritty to talk about how that happened. What, what, how did that come about? Well, we made a bet with her. Uh, she said, she said, if we go two and oh in big 10 play, then she'll do the gritty. And it was like, all right, bet. And after that, we was like, you got to do it. <laughs> had she and- been practicing? Had she been practicing? <laughs> Like she uh, yeah, I think, I think she has. Uh, her son, Tao, actually taught her how to do it. <laughs> well, we, you know, the other thing, the other rumor we're hearing is, is all this time on the show dealing with Larry, Brad, and not really me, but those two, has really allowed you to keep your cool and really be calm and collected under a lot of stress. Is that true? Yes, of course. Oh, good. I was worried <laughs> you were going to say no, and then I'd have to stop spreading that rumor. So. <laughs> no, you're good. That's the truth. <laughs> well, we're talking to you here before uh, the Northwestern game. Um, I will tell you, those of us watching the outside, disappointed that 
you guys didn't get in the, the top 25 in either the AP or the coaches poll this week. Um, did you guys notice that? Did you pay attention to it? And, and um, what was the feeling around the locker room um, once this week's uh, polls were released? Yeah, we did notice it. And, you know, like, we just know we got to keep working. Like, nothing's going to be given to us. We know we got to earn everything. And we know we just got to keep doing what we got to do, and we'll get where we want to be. Yeah, and the great thing about the Big Ten is there's so many fantastic teams. Ohio State is up next. Holy cow, what a powerhouse. This is a matchup that I'm just going to tell you, folks, you better find it. And you better turn it on because these gals are fun to watch. Are you guys uh, pumped about this matchup? Yeah, for sure. Super excited. Just focusing on going 1-0, and you know, for Northwestern and for Ohio State. Talk a bit about them. We're talking with the Illini gal, Adalia McKenzie, of the Fighting Illini women's team. Again, 13-2, and two, uh, best 15-game record in the program history. It's just incredible. Uh, what this team is doing. You've got, you're one of four um, significant holdovers um, from last year, uh, Kendall Bostic and uh, Jayla Oden. Um, uh, who am I forgetting? Jada Peoples. Uh, also, Giovanna Lopez, right? So it's another one. Um, you know, talk about just in terms of, you know, have, have you guys gotten together and talked about just the difference from last year uh, to this year? Yeah, we do. Uh, we do get together often and just talk and just kind of like think about the change and just no, like just thinking about how good it feels. You know, we know what it was like, you know, not winning and just being at the bottom. And now we're working our way up to the top and just getting better. So it's just a really good feeling, just something we are excited about. And of course, you know, you you had some goals at the start of the year and it's fantastic to be maybe coming close to meeting those goals. Um, have you elevated your expectations for what Adalia is going to do out there on the court based on what you've been able to accomplish so far in 15 games? Uh, actually, I haven't elevated my goals because I they are pretty high, you know? <laughs> but also the goals that I say, I do want to exceed them. And so far I'm at a good start, so but eventually I will elevate them. Well, I'm going to tell you that um, I have elevated my goals for you in my book. Not that that means anything. Um, you know, that and five bucks buys you a cup of coffee, right? But um, you know, <laughs> in terms of the way you're playing and the way this team is playing, I've kind of written some notes of where I think you will be individually and as a team here coming up in March. And it's, it's exciting to see, Hey, listen, I know you've got a lot going on. Um, you're, you're busy. You're a sports center star now. So <laughs> we're just thankful. You're always an Illini gal. And you, you remember us little people. I'm going to be a Illini gal for a life. I'm going to be 60 still on the show. Love it. Love it. Perfect. <laughs> All the Illini guys sweatshirts. You can say everyone else bought these sweatshirts because I'm a Illini gal. I got these sweatshirts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Adaya McKenzie, good luck against the Buckeyes. Um, we're so excited for your team's success, and we can't wait to talk to you next week. Thank you. All right, she's Adaya McKenzie, fighting a line. Again, 13-2. and two. Uh, Get your tickets out to State Farm Center. What a raucous atmosphere it was last Sunday. More than 4,800 people there, and the players, uh, Coach Green, everybody talking about just what a difference it made to have that sixth man, or if you will, that sixth woman, uh, there in State Farm Arena. Uh, State Farm Center. It's a lot of fun to watch. Hey, keep it right here. We're going to talk a little football coming up next. Matt Stevens joins us and talks about his experience down in Tampa and the Illini football team 
Coming up short, what they learned and what's ahead for football. It's next on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is. We're here to support it because that's our mission. Your life our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-816-4492 800-816-4492. That's 800-816-4492. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828. This is Brad Underwood. You're listening to the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Right back here on the Sports Spectacular. And uh, as we look ahead to uh, football, let's first look back. 1910. What a crazy game in Tampa, Illinois, losing to 22nd-ranked Mississippi State. Joining us now is Matt Stevens. He is the Illini Guys football writer and analyst for IlliniGuys.com. Uh, yeah, I think he's still got remnants of the tan uh, from his week down in Florida. We're not going to call him the names we want to call him because it's a family show. Uh, Matt, um, you know, if, if you're Illinois, um, listen, eight-win season is huge in Illini Nation. But it's tough because, boy, this could have been a 10 or 11 win season really easily. Yeah, I, I got sick in Florida, too. So I think it all bounced out. Um, but no, uh, yeah, I, I think Bielema said it best at the end of the postgame, guys, is that if if you're disappointed about an eight and five season in year two of his Atlanta rebuild, then he's probably doing something right. And I, I, I get the sense that everybody around the program, and I talked to a whole bunch of people that that were wanted to talk to me more about 2023 than, than what was going to go on on January 2nd. Um, that the intention here is for, to turn Illinois into an Iowa or Wisconsin consistency to where somewhere around December 28th, 29th through, you know, January one, you're playing in a football game. And I, and I think that that's the idea. Um, Brett Bielema was asked if he had thought the program had taken a severe, step up in trajectory and he said yeah last year we weren't playing anywhere and this year we were playing on in tampa on uh in a january bowl game so i i think that there's a lot of reasons for illinois to feel good about not only the some of the youngsters that are that got experience in this bowl game got quality experience in this bowl game and got some experience throughout the year but also you know some some excitement about the development of some of the guys that you may not have even never seen on the field but for a couple of plays and we're able to redshirt after this uh, 2022 season. So, Matt, um, obviously part of the excitement was a new defensive coordinator and Aaron Henry. Yeah. And, of course, we've got a, a – a, well, next year will be a second-year offensive coordinator. 
and Barry Lunny Jr. What can uh, fans look for from the Illini as uh, Coach Bielma tries to build that consistency from year to year? You know, when I talked to Brett about Aaron and, and the promotion, you know, he said new is kind of a relative term, right? I mean, Aaron's been around and I thought if you were going to judge Aaron on the first full game that he called the defense on, on January 2nd, he gets an A. And, and you you think about how many redshirt freshmen or even true freshmen he had in that secondary covering an air raid and, you know, take away the six points on the pitchy, pitchy, woo-woo at the end of the game. But <laughs> they gave up 13 points. And usually against that type of an offense, against that type of opponent, you'll get a victory. And I also thought it was really, really impactful that even those those guys in the secondary were that were so young, like Xavier Scott and, you know, uh, Matthew Bailey. Uh, you even saw some some Keontae Curry when when they needed to go to a third safety. Um, and those guys look like they belonged on out on the field against an SEC power five, you know, skill position guys at wide receiver. I really thought Illinois had better athletes at defensive back than Mississippi State had at wide receiver. And that says something about what Aaron Henry has been able to develop in terms of recruiting and what those guys were ready for when they were put in that position. And um, I give I give guys like Sidney Brown, who wasn't obviously playing in that game, but he and Quan Martin, the ability to develop guys like, you know, uh, Matthew Bailey, where he's ready to consistently make plays. The amount of plays that Matthew Bailey made this year when he only played less than 150 snaps this year is just amazing. And I, I think – that kid, knowing where he came from and what he thought his career was, his freshman year was going to be, as he told me at the end of the game, um, you can only think that watching more film and getting more repetitions and getting more practice time is just going to make him better. And I can't wait for him to be an upperclassman and see if he can potentially be a first-team All-Big Ten guy and maybe even a potential All-American. And to your point, keep in mind, uh, Bailey, a true freshman i mean he's not a red shirt. this kid is is you know just 18 19 years old um and i think that's a the thing that you're right i think expectations in terms of what this could have been um the building blocks are there i thought to your point here's an offense that that you know scores 33 points a game i uh, held up a single touchdown and a couple of field goals i mean you know in in the game take away like it what'd you what'd you call it what's that play called again oh the the pitchy pitchy woo woo at the end of the game um yeah <laughs> that that, that, that was that that was a uh, let's. How, what did Brent Musburger used to call that? That was that was very significant play in, yeah. in terms of certain people who had a had a uh, betting slip. Sure. Um, sure. But in other words, but it, what it did was it it stunk because it was the only game that Illinois really lost that was more than one score because of how the game turned out. But it is a thirteen to ten game. But um, no, I, I I said this. My Mike Mike asked me on the in the post game pod on IlliniGuys.com. I think both coordinators get a really good grade on what they did on January 2nd. I know people are disappointed about the 10 points that were scored and, and the potential that Illinois' offense had. But there were two things that I thought I wanted to see out of Barry Lunny if Chase Brown wasn't going to play. How effectively are you going to be able to get Isaiah Williams the football in, if you have a month to prepare and you know he's your best athlete? Eight catches, 114 yards, both are career highs. He is, without a doubt, if, if you're judging the language that he used after the game, I don't think Champagne, any other location but Champagne will be his destination in 2023. 
um, and the potential for him to be a Rondell Moore type target for who for Luke Altmaier, whoever's going to play quarterback for Illinois, is there. And I also thought that you know people had been wringing their hands about Barry Lunny's red zone offense. Well, if Isaiah Adams doesn't jump, I <laughs> there's no possible way for Barry Lunny to draw something up to get Isaiah or to get Isaiah Williams any more open inside the red zone than what he did. And I think that year two of this Barry Lunny offense, if they can figure out what they need to do in the run game with the new pieces they're going to have from guard to guard. Um, are there any players that are on the roster right now that um, Illini fans should be looking for to be contributors next year that didn't get a ton of playing time this year? Um. Well, one is Josh McCray because he was just so hurt, right? I mean, I, you go back and look at the 2021 film. If Josh can stay healthy, which is what they anticipated, he was looking more bouncy and more athletic than I'd ever seen him all year long. And I think there's the potential there for him to be a Monty Ball type running back for Brett Bielema. Um, Sean Miller is somebody out of that 2021 recruiting class out of IMG that they thought was going to make an impact at wide receiver. I think he can make an impact once he gets healthy again at wide receiver. I think he'll have the opportunity to do that. Um, I do think there's a tight end coming in from Colorado State that I think is a major pass catching option more than he's a blocking option. Essentially, he's the new version of Daniel Barker. I think you could see him very have being a former tight ends coach, have the opportunity to use him in this offense. I also think Avery Jones coming in from, from East Carolina, we don't talk about the center position an awful lot. I think Illinois drastically upgraded what they did at center yeah, out of the transfer portal, and it gives them so many more options of what they can do in the run game, whether that's use him as a pulling option in, 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 you know, in, in the alley or if it's just to turn a guy in the way if they want to do their inside zone gap or you know, running, running scheme. Um, I think that that's, that's somebody out of the transfer portal I think that you're going to see. Um, there's some pieces on the offensive line that I think could be new pieces. Hunter Whiteneck played 12 games and he, uh, Brett Bielo doesn't like to use this term, but they burned his red shirt as a special teams guy on field goal kick unit. Um, I saw him on my plane ride home from Tampa and I mean, he is huge. He's 350 pounds. Like he, he has a chance to, to make a contribution. I think at right tackle, if he puts together a heck of a spring and a heck of a fall, uh, preseason camp. Um, at, at offensive tackle. And then on the defensive side, I, I, you saw him a little bit more, but 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 Kiana is somebody that I think can now play both, has proven now that he can both play inside and outside linebacker because of what Mississippi State did offensively. They had to use him at outside linebacker because they had to play a 5-1-5. And so he's been able to show his his athleticism and his versatility as somebody that can do that. And, and um you know, I, I I do think that there's there's guys like Tyson Rooks at corner, six foot four, and he's a corner. And Aaron Henry loves him. At a, at, you know, a kid out of Georgia, um, just could never break into a really really you know talented cornerback depth chart. But he's going to get a chance to not only potentially be a starter at corner, but maybe even take over. Uh, you know, Quan Martin spot at nickel and, and, and that's that they, they consider that just as important as not a problem. Have a good one guys. All right, Matt, Matt. check him out. Football writer and analyst with a lot of great stuff coming out. Of course, his reporting on the team all year long. Um, We're going to hear more about football and hear from the coach Brett Bielema and some of his post-game comments. That's next.
on the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Coming off talking with Matt Stevens, the uh, beat reporter for IlliniGuys.com about this football season. Illinois going 8-5. and five. And again, this is a... You, you miss out on, the, on win number nine in the bowl game loss in Tampa on Monday. But what huge strides uh, this this team made in the hunt for its first ever West Division title throughout, although they you know, came up short in November. And again, the development of players, uh, Chase Brown and Devin Witherspoon, um, you know, uh, consensus All-Americans. Uh, Cindy Brown getting uh, recognition, uh, you know, Palcho. Uh, on the offensive line. I mean, just the development and, um, you know, a program now that can be considered um, among the upper elite, you know, not yet a Michigan or Ohio state level, but that's certainly one of those that can be um, a consistent eight, nine game winner. Um, that's what Bielema is going for. And even he said last year, I'm not, I didn't come here to win five games a year and I'm not going to do that. So uh, Bielema talking after the game, again, a 1910 loss to Mississippi state and um, was asked the question by one of the reporters where this team is, and uh, he often talks about developing the program at his last college stop at Arkansas, and he was asked kind of, you know, how this team uh, right now compares after year two with what he did down in SEC country. Let's listen in. I think when I bring up Arkansas, it's, it's, it's more in a contest of learning from experiences of the past, right? Um, I don't even know what the question is exactly, but, um, you know, we're in year two. Um, we won eight games. Um, uh, I believe my second year there, we won seven games. Um, uh, year three, we went to three straight bowl games. Um, I don't know. I just think about Illinois. What I do know about Illinois is Illinois is in a better position now than we were when we got here. There's no question about that. And, and for us to get to where we want to be, uh, we need to continue to you know strive forward with our, uh, our coaching, X's and O's, uh, offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, we got to continue to build and develop our roster. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, we lost five games by one score games that, uh, you know, uh, a couple of them really come down to the final drive, final possession of the game. So I know what the hottest season will be for me as a head coach. I know what I'll concentrate on and task. I kind of got into it a little bit in December with our guys, just, uh, you know, the, the, the knowledge and the experience that we've gained in these moments of, of adversity have really got to help us in the moments going forward. And I, I did say to the guys, last thing, leave in the locker room and said, hey, when you're home, all right, for the guys that are going to be returning in the middle of January, you know, think about, you know, think about where you truly want to be. Think about you truly want to, you want to just be a good football team and talk about winning games and, you know, or do you want to sacrifice and get to a level of like uh, championship expectations on a yearly basis, right? Because I think that's where uh, Josh, myself, and everybody wants us to go and sustain success. So um, I think if we're disappointed in a win season, we've made a step in the right direction. Um, but. Well, by no means am I going to be settling for an eight-win season. Coach, I know it's it's early. You didn't get um, a ton of time around Zach Arnett, but what's your observations on on him? What you've experienced with him, and also today? Well, it's it's you know very easy to see even before I met Zach. Um, I'd heard about him, knew about his name. Uh, Mike and I had actually uh, had conversations before he took the Mississippi State job about you know defense in the in the SEC uh, because he had made reference to my Arkansas time. So. I was very impressed when I popped on the film and started watching um, just the detail that the defense plays to, the uh, intensity they play with. And I think as a head coach, what I've learned is uh, if you've got a coordinator who's kind of in charge, right, which I think it's fair to say uh, that Mike probably did not manage a lot of input on the defense side of the ball, 
Um, and I think it showed the way Zach has designed that defense to fit within this system and then to see the way the kids play. Uh, and then just to be around him briefly on three different occasions, you can tell he's a football guy, um, uh, extremely intelligent. Uh, seems like he can put together the big picture in a hurry. Um, I told him, hey, when I became a head coach, I had a whole year in waiting, right? I had to ask a bunch of questions. I went to press conferences with my, my mentor and I saw things unfold a year before I became a head coach. And uh, obviously he just need me today. So I don't know if he's gonna take me out of advice, but I said, if there's anything I can do, uh, you know, love to have a conversation with you. Um, uh, be at the convention in a couple of weeks. I think it's always neat for bowl teams if they're willing to kind of share ideas and thoughts, right? Because um, you see each other at the end of the year and you can kind of maximize off of the strikes and weaknesses. Fred, you had about three weeks or so with Aaron Henry as your defensive coordinator. What did you see in the way he went about it for those weeks? And was there any moment or two today that you kind of saw maybe what you thought you'd see out of him? Just in the way it's a good question. I get it. Um, I knew we were going to get this question, right? But um, Aaron just continues to be who I think he is. Um, um, from the time that I, I, I knew this was the direction I was going to go. I would say, um, you know, after last year's season, I didn't know quite which direction I was going to go. But um, as I saw Aaron unfold this fall, I and mean, as I saw really, again, uh, kind of the same thing I just mentioned with Zach, like when you see coaches, players play, uh, and you see the, the growth that Devin Witherspoon has happened, you realize obviously there's things that has happened physically, maturity, uh, there's development with Tank, but he learned to play the game at a different level. And, and I know that was what was bred into him through Aaron's coaching. And, and uh, the way the players responded when I made the announcements, the way that they handled practice, like it was literally like we didn't miss a beat. Um, and today, just the way the game unfolded, he made some adjustments at halftime, um, played some things within the game, the, the extreme limitations we had today personnel-wise, I, uh, you know, I, I think we made the right choice. and. and uh, hopefully it's just going to become uh, you know even better from here. I think there's some really good intricacies of, of him and Andy and Jamo working together. Um, Antonio joined us to, two days ago, so Antonio will help him in the back end. And, and those two's prior relationship, I think, will be really key in that room. They come from the same cloth. Uh, I'll bring in an outside backer that I think is going to really uh, bring some huge value for us, hopefully in the pass rush game and some, some different things maybe uh, to build on some of the things I think we have to from the past. What do you think? <coughs> Brett, what do you think the next step in year two for Barry's offense can be? How can you build on? Great question. Probably consistency. Um, consistency. I think we have to have an identity. I think um, it's easy to say, okay, we're we're an up tempo offense. We got the temporal thing, but well, what are we? Right? Like at times we we um, look like you know when we get in the swing of things, things are pretty hard to defend. Uh, uh, but then at other times, if we get hit in the head, like. It just doesn't seem to go anywhere really in a hurry, right? So uh, I'm excited for Barry. I think he knows, uh, you know, obviously we'll have uh, uh, some transition in the running back room, which I think will be very exciting. Um, uh, I think we can bring in some people there that have some, some thoughts and ideas um, on, on what we can do. I hope to have Ben uh, back with us full time, you know, in the spring. Um, so there's some exciting things uh, for us offensively. We'll have some new personnel with us in January that uh, gives some different strengths uh, in every literally every position group. So Barry's um, a very smart football coach, and I think he'll continue to make this thing move forward. Well, what I like about what Coach Bielema has put together, next year you're going to get the second year of Barry Lunny's offensive coordinatorship, and um, you, you have real opportunity for the offense to grow as he's had the ability to, to kind of learn the pieces and parts of the Illini office, what works, what doesn't. And you're thinking there's going to be a lot of improvement there. And, of course, Aaron Henry, um, 
I don't know how you debut much better than holding an air raid offense to 13 points that normally averages 30 a game. So you got to think the future's bright with the guys that uh, Coach Bielma has br- brought in to lead the offense and defense. And of course, he mentioned uh, trying to see a uh, check on Ben Miller's health for, you know, special teams coming up here in another month or so. That's always been a target and we wish him uh, well um, in the, uh, in his his recovery um and then of course you've got to find a, a running backs coach you know with Corey patterson going to purdue and following ryan walters who uh, comes into that room you get a feeling that bielema has an idea already he just hasn't pulled the trigger yet and and then of course a transfer portal um you know kind of how where do you go there and as matt stevens has written and and brad talked about as well in his writings on alliniguys.com you know it's also one for one now you'll kind of see what happens um, it appears Malik Elzey, the wide receivers coming in, the talented wideout from Chicago who committed to Cincinnati, decommitted um, earlier this fall, and now appears headed for Illinois, gives you a deep threat that this offense just really has not had yet. And so a lot of positive things coming up here um, with the, with this upcoming coming up here in the spring and, and moving forward as we uh, take a look at this Illini football team. Eight and five is where they finish, and uh, what a year, and uh, again, building and growing, and we'll see where they uh, come up as we begin counting down to um, next season uh, in early September when they open the season week one this time, no longer a week zero like they did the first uh, first two years. Much more to come here on the Sports Spectacular. Stay with us. At Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. UC Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call US Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160-800-390-5160-800-390-5160. That's 800-390-5160. Illiniguys.com's director of recruiting, Kedrick Prince, is always hard at work, working the phones and talking to recruits and parents and coaches. Colin Dixon is an all-Ohio performer who flipped his commitment from Wisconsin to the Illini at year's end. The talented wide receiver caught up with Ked on his Ked's Recruiting Roundup podcast. What was that process like, you know, um, for you? Was it stressful, overwhelming? Did you like it with all the schools trying to contact you and get you on campus? No, I thought I thought recruiting was, was fun. It can get a little stressful at times, you know, when all the schools – especially when all the schools had visits on similar days. So you couldn't really get everywhere. But I thought recruiting as a whole was good. So did it bother your family at all? I mean, you know, were you were they tired of the phone calls and asking too much of your time? No, not really. A lot of the recruiting was done through me. So I think there was only a couple schools that I got to know well enough that recruited me hard enough to where my family got involved in it. But for the most part, it wasn't it – wasn't, that hectic okay so with that you decided to go with wisconsin at that time what was so special about wisconsin what did they do to stand out to you to say hey this is where i belong and where i want to go to school at yeah i um i the idea they had with their offense 
moving forward last year I liked a lot and I thought I would fit in well with that and um I'd been up there a couple of times and I just thought that was the place for me at the time so was it the coaching change that made you decide to change and had a change of heart yeah originally when um coach Chris originally got fired I stuck it out for a little bit longer and then the longer they waited to make a decision that's when I felt uncertain that they were going to make Coach Leonard the coach and keep the staff there. So uh, then I opened up my my recruitment, uh, I think, middle of November. So if, if Coach Leonard would have stayed on staff, would you have stayed, you think? Uh, I would have took another official visit there. So you had did you have a good relationship with him or you know or or was it the wide receivers coach or was it just the entire staff in general? I had a good relationship with the entire staff, but um yeah, me and the receivers coach there had a really good relationship. Did it disappoint you a little bit that well I shouldn't say disappoint you. After he was fired, did they reach out to you at all to say, Hey, we still want you in Wisconsin or how that or did you not hear from anybody for a while? No, after they let him go, I didn't hear. Which I kind of figured because the I wasn't recruited by Cincinnati very much, so when he when um Coach Fickle brought his own guys in there, I figured that they would kind of go somewhere else with the receiver position. So even once he got to Wisconsin, to yeah, once Coach Fickle got the job at Wisconsin, you still didn't really hear from them. No, I didn't. That disappoint you a little bit, or you don't really care? <laughs> no, not really. I was. I was committed to the previous Wisconsin staff, so the new staff not really contacting me was – it didn't really bother me. So what did Illinois do the second time around? What did they do to to get your attention, to make you think, hey, you know what, this is where I should be and I'm going to go ahead and commit to them? What was so special about Illinois? I think how we ended when I committed to Wisconsin back in June, it was kind of like, well, you know we want you and – if anything ever changes, we still want you. So we just kind of picked up where we left off there. And Coach McDonald, he recruited me really hard. So I, I think that's an important statement. A lot of times, some schools, I mean, I'm not saying Cincinnati, Wisconsin, Illinois would do that. But when they go after a kid and they don't get him, they get upset and, they, and there's bad blood in their mouth. So if I hear you correctly, when when you decide to go to Wisconsin, Illinois kept that open with you so that you know, hey, you know what, we still want you. And if you decide to come back home or come back to Illinois, excuse me, or um, commit to us, we still want you. How important is that you think, for not just you, for any recruit, that college coaches shouldn't burn bridges with athletes? Yeah, I think it's really important, especially now with um, a lot of guys like picking multiple schools or the transfer portal, I think having those connections still be solid and not burning any bridges, I think it's really important. What was your uh, official visit like when you went down there? Was, was there anything that stood out to you or made you even more impressed with the staff? Yeah, I think the players, even like when we hung out with the players that weren't around the staff, the things they were saying about the staff, it was all positive. It wasn't like, like – the staff was telling me anything that wasn't true or anything like that. It was all positive about the coaches and the relationships that they showed when we would all be together at dinner or um, at any event that we had during the evening. It was really good relationships. You can hear the entire interview on the Keds Recruiting Roundup podcast, and you can find that 
on the front page of IlliniGuys.com or wherever you download your podcast. More Sports Spectacular coming up after this. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is. We're here to support it because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. Hi, this is Larry Smith, proud native of Central Illinois. It's been an honor to have reported on the world's biggest sporting events for the past three decades. And as a lifelong Illini fan, it's a privilege to now be with IlliniGuys.com. My friends and I put this together with one goal in mind, to have the best Illini-centric website around. Great features, podcasts, insider stuff. I know a little something about telling athlete stories, and these guys know a lot about the Illini. It's a perfect match. Come over and check it out. IlliniGuys.com. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News and World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022 and right now you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day plus get free professional installation from a licensed technician protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day call right now for your free home security consultation 800-613-8053-800-613-8053 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Well, a dubious mark set this week in the Big East. Georgetown, the Hoyas, the once mighty Hoyas, setting a Big East record with 25 losses in a row after losing to uh, Villanova Wednesday night. Boy, it's just it's it's been a tough run for Patrick Ewing as head coach out there. I think he's lost more games uh in this streak than he lost in 4 years at Georgetown. Um 25 games in a row, that's 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 a lot of losses. Um you know, it, it's really hard to fire a guy who's like a legend at your school as well. So uh this is uh this is but I, I think it's it's coming. And I, I think let, let's let's talk seriously though. It's hard to lose twenty five straight. You tend to get <laughs> hot at least once, and I mean twenty five straight is is something that's considerably challenging to do. Um, and you know it's sad to see when your legends that you grew up with and 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 such have such a hard time. You know. Well, and you're you're playing the Big East, which means you get to Paul twice a year, right? So I mean, think that what are those somewhere, right? Uh, March second, you, you think you'd win one on accident? I agree with Mike. <laughs> Blind. Well, you know, we had a, we had a math teacher. We I, we had a science teacher who would give you um, if you got every question wrong, he'd give you a hundred percent on it. So one of my buddies uh, tried to do that. He got one answer right. He got a five percent. And then he had to sit for a couple of weeks in football because his grade average went down too low. <laughs> uh, March 2nd, 2021, Xavier was the last team to lose to the Hoyas almost two years ago. 
that loss, by the way, they're five and eleven on the year, zero and five Big East, and things just not good out there um, in DC with Georgetown. Hey, meanwhile, a big moment in the NBA this week: Donovan Mitchell, the seventy-one point ten assist game as the Cavs got the win in overtime. No one in NBA history had ever done seventy-one and ten in the same game. You know, and and it shouldn't have happened. Great, great achievement, but it shouldn't have happened because he never should have gone to overtime because he uh, threw it off the rim and went across the line and got the rebound and, you know, he went in early. And how is that not a reviewable play in the NBA that they overturned? We review everything and we even tell the crowd this was a foul. This wasn't a foul. Oh, yes. But how do we miss this? This is something we can't do. I, I don't get it. this pretty just it'll be a new rule change next year and they'll call it the spider spider rule. So there you go. <laughs> and isn't this yet another moment where the New York Knicks will go, you know, we could have had this guy, but we chose not to yet another decision in the New York Knicks that, that they've made wrong since 1973 or whatever, as they've missed roster after roster and title after title attempt. Yeah, there's there's a book sponsored by Blair Rasmussen that uh, that just, you know, giant uh, book of like wrong things done by the Knicks uh, since <laughs> walked out of the tunnel and Blair and that contract. That's one of them. If you don't know, Google Blair Rasmussen. You know what I'm talking about if, if, if it's before your time. So but you're exactly right. Uh, hey, and, and the sports world losing. Um, boy, one of the all time, uh, truly all time global greats in the world of sports. Uh, Pele, age 82. Um, we've known now for a couple of weeks that his health was failing. The only player ever to win three World Cup titles, he did that with his native Brazil, and really elevated uh, the sports um, just to a new level. I remember when you know I was just a, a kid, but I remember Pele coming to the New York Cosmos, yeah, and back in uh, back in the seventies, and you know he was just you know I read his autobiography, uh, My Life in the Beautiful Game, um, still have it on my bookshelf. Um, just really, I wasn't even a massive soccer fan, but he just transcended, um, everything and he made it interesting. So, uh, yeah, Pele was, uh, just an icon. Yeah. And and I, I retweeted somebody's, uh, video of him doing a bicycle kick in a game. And I, and I, you know, he, I think he said he did it three, four five times or something, but how you can pull off something like that athletically where the ball's coming from you know, 40 yards away, you jump up in the air in another direction and somehow time it up that you kick the ball and it goes anywhere near anything. Um, You know, he was a guy who just, he knew how to get the imagination of the public and it didn't matter. It transcended language because it could be in Europe. It could be in the United States. It could be in South America. And, and he was probably second only to Muhammad Ali in terms of, of athletes that people knew. Mike, I thought you did that bicycle kick when you were just walking down the pavement. It was a little icy. Yes. Uh, like, it's it's the bicycle kick, and then I try to act like I, I didn't hurt myself. <laughs> exactly. 200,000 people uh, showing up um, in Brazil to to pay their respects. Pele, there'll never be another one uh, like him. Uh, there'll never be another show like this one. We are all done. Hard to believe, as always, that two hours has gone by so quickly. We appreciate everyone who came by. We appreciate you for stopping in. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. We'll be right back here, same time next week on this same station. Take care. ILL. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports, LLC, and JM Talent Productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network. 
on these same stations across Illinois.